how come you never do the intro? Is that your thing, man? Why has it got to be my thing? You like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't? Let's, let's roll. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, again here with Mr. John Jones. What's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you? I'm fantastic. Dude, we've had a pretty fun day so far. It's been enjoyable, and yes. now we're here settling in yep. for a conversation. So, I, hey, I figured today we could have a conversation about, um, you know, there's a question out there in our industry, the mortgage industry, about whether loan originators truly have an uncapped earning potential or not. What are your thoughts? I think that's a yes and a no. A yes and a no. Yeah, probably more to the no. I don't think their income's capped. Yeah, I'd, I I don't either, but I think that you've I think it's easy to put yourself in a situation as a loan originator where you could cap yourself. Now, let me ask you this. Why do LOs get in? Why does a loan officer get into the mortgage business? Because they had a friend that said, get in the mortgage business. You can make a lot of money, potentially, and have a lot of free time or essentially make your own schedule flexibility. Okay. I mean, I think those, you know, typical, typical LO, typical realtor, why they became realtors and or mortgage loan officers, yeah. those two things. Lots of so, money opportunity, lots of time. All right. So the draw is I can have this uncapped income potential mm -hmm. and I can kind of make my own schedule. I don't got to clock in. I don't got to do yep. the nine to five. I don't go to one office every day. And uh, that certainly is, are some of the appealing things about it. Correct. Let me ask you a question though. What's the hustle like? The hustles for the ones that don't get in it for time. Okay. The, so you're saying to to make... I mean, we, we all know that there are some that regard... The, they're just... They've got to be number one. I mean, so whether whether it's mortgage or real estate, I think that the hustle is... I don't think money is necessarily a factor, but they've got to be tops in their industry or their field, which, you know, inevitably leads to money. Okay. Um, that, that's the hustle. Um you know, in it, the ones that get in it for the time, they might be hustling, doing some other things, you know, okay. whether it be family related time with their, with their kids or other hobbies they like to do. I mean, when I started the business, I had a guy that he wouldn't show up to the office till four o'clock every day, um, making six figures, you know, he'd, he'd hustle at night and he'd hustle till about 10, 11 o'clock long after most of us left. Okay. But he had things that he liked to do during the day. One of them in the summertime up back in Boston happened to be golf. Okay. And he was just focused on that. And uh, the office manager would be like, you know, if you, uh, Steve, if you'd show up here and work, you know, at nine, maybe you could go home at five. And it, that wasn't his thing. Yeah. Different hustle. Oh, well, I mean, and that's part of the appeal, right? Is like right. you can kind of make your own schedule and yeah. things like that. But what I'm hearing you say is that if you want to do well financially in this business, there's some hustle involved. There is definitely hustle involved. Okay. I mean, but there are different uh, coaches, leaders out there that, you know, teach a certain strategy maybe, um, you know, where you have both. 
yeah. essentially. We, we, we know some that subscribe to that thought like, hey, I'm going to turn my phone off every day at five o'clock and spend time with my family or coaching baseball. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to work Friday, maybe one Friday a month I'm taking off and sure. not working weekends. Sure. You know, whether that's mortgage or, or real estate, people subscribe to that. I, and, uh, and, and you can be, you, yeah. if you put, put the right uh, plan in place, and set your team up, I think, where you want to go with this. Yeah. And, you know, you can you can make that work. Yeah, I think 100% there is a way to do exactly what you described. The reality is this, is that I, I think regardless of the industry that people are in, it could be lending, it could be real estate, it could, it could be whatever it is, right? People are looking for two things. How do I make more money and how do I get more time? And that's kind of what you're alluding to. And there's a lot of people who think, there's not a way to do both. And I'd say in our industry, are most loan originators, John, guilty of not balancing yes. their... Yes, right? Yeah, they, they have a They have a hard time balancing the hustle with their personal time or family time or whatever. Um, it, it's, it's, one of, it's interesting because I think it's one of those businesses where people get in and start the grind and then that's like the grind is like some source of pride. Yeah, does, no, that, does that yeah, make any sense? Yeah, I mean, nobody does it better than me, right? Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to grind more. Nobody's going to hustle more. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if we can show people how to make more money and get more time, that's a win for you know everybody all around. And so he, here's my the the we asked the question is um, being a loan originator does it truly provide an uncapped income potential? And you replied yes and no. Let me share the no. First, sure. yeah. So the the no where the cap is at is the reality is there's a lot of hustle in this business. Yes. And you know, depending on the model that you're in, let's just say that you're um, you know a loan originator and you got you've got great processing, great underwriting, you got an amazing back of house, but you're the one that's going out and fishing for the deals and somebody else is cleaning them, right? Yep. So the reality is, is my ability to go get the deals and close deals is different than yours. 100%. Right? So your capacity, how much work John Jones can physically do in any given week or any given month, it might be eight deals a month. Yep. Right? At eight deals a month, John is... It's usually when I start going. Completely yeah. at capacity. You got no more room to do one more single loan, right? But for me, it might be six deals. For somebody else, it might be 10. For somebody else, it might be four, right? But the reality is, is our capacity, what we can physically do on yep. our own, has a cap. That's where loan officers have a capped income potential, right? Yeah, so, sure. If that's you and you reach your ceiling of achievement, the only way to break through that ceiling of achievement is you've got to change something about the way that you do business. You've got to change your systems and your models to be able to break through that ceiling of achievement. But I think what a lot of loan officers don't understand is that this is all physically I can do. Yeah, I mean, I think in our industry, different than real estate is we've we've lagged way behind as an industry building out teams and mm -hmm. adding support when it's time to add support. Sure. Um, not that everybody in our industry doesn't have support, but um, I think the team theory or the, or adding multiple yeah. layers and, and having 20 or 30 people on a team or mega teams even beyond that number, 
uh, exist far more in real estate than they seem to in the mortgage industry. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I think, you know, well, back to nobody does it better, right? Our, you know, what we're doing is difficult, right? Not mm-hmm. no, no two borrowers are the same. Correct. Right. I mean, and, and some people, they, they're in their file. You know, mm-hmm. they go out, they fish for the file, they bring it back. They want to clean it themselves. They want to clean it, yeah. you know, and they they're gonna they're gonna watch it, massage it, nurture it, and make sure everything's good from start to yeah. finish, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, where others, um, you know, they're gonna take the deal in, they're gonna put it together real quick, and then pass it along to a great team of people that are gonna still make that deal, you know, close on time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But some, you know, it's a mental thing that some some of us have in this business, which makes you back to your point. I can close three or maybe eight deals and somebody can close 20, you know, with using that same system. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you go back and you look at the, the podcast series that we did um, a couple of now, it's been a couple of months, I think, where we did like the top loan producer series. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you and I took away from that series was that there's no like secret sauce there. Well, actually, the secret sauce is they're all pretty much doing the same thing. It's like they're working their database. They're working you know, their referral partners, mm-hmm. you know, they're pick up the phone and start dialing, right? As uh, right. Jordan Belfort says from the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, they were all primarily doing that. But if you notice too, they all had varying degrees of how they had their team or their business structured. I mean, shoot, we got one of the guys, Sean Moore, if you go back and watch his podcast, the guy has part-time leverage. He's a hustler. And closes <laughs> tons of loans. Right, and then you've got some people out there that have twice as much help as he does, and close half as much business, right? Too. So what I'm getting at is there's no like perfect model. There's no right way or wrong. Well, there's probably a wrong way, but there's multiple right ways, is what I'm saying to this. But here, here's the thing: to go back to the question, do loan officers have an uncapped income potential? If you do it a certain way, yes, you do. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you, you can don't. Fi- You're capped. Right. You physically can only dig so deep so and deep. so much yep. a day. So to make that switch to how do I get myself out of the capped and get into uncapped, you're going to have to start to have, add leverage. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I think, you know, a lot of people in our business, our industry, they look at leverage as a loan processor. Uh, yeah, your loan processor is leverage, but that not going to bring revenue. Correct. You know, that's an expense. Yes. I mean, we just, any of that, that well, supporting every, role is, is every is loan cost. officer in the country has a loan processor. Correct. Right. So that's on like, so when I look at it like that, like don't, although yes, they are an important part of your team. Yes, they are a piece of leverage. You're not unique. And while well, I've got a loan processor, everybody's got right. a loan processor. Right. right. So when, when John and I are talking leverage, we're talking something else. Um, and that could be a lot of things, you know, um, that could be, you know, help with your mark. I mean, shoot, sometimes just an admin, you know, um, you know, yeah, I, just an, an assistant that does whatever it is that you need, you yeah. know, support with, you know, yeah. whether it's making calls every week to, you know, just do check-in calls, you know, on, on a Monday to see how the weekend search went on homes mm-hmm. and making sure that you're hitting, you know, hitting those marks every week, yeah. being consistent. Yeah. What do you think are some of the things, before we really get into defining that, what do you think are some of the things that um, prevent loan officers from taking this step? Cost. 
I mean, you know, the fe- okay. the, the fear is for you know you hear you hear the expense, right? Because mm-hmm. that they're they might look, you know, obviously that the there's revenue in from the loan, and then you know, the support requires it, it's a cost, right, mm-hmm. to have that person. And the fear, I think, for whether it's real estate or mortgage, is can can I grow my business? Do I have confidence in myself? that by bringing an additional person in, I can, one, make sure that they're going to get paid every week because I can bring additional business mm-hmm. in, or am I just going to use the other part of the business and, and take more time? Mm-hmm. And if I take more time, that's a cost to me. Sure. You know, now I have, you know, I'm not going fishing for more business. I might be going fishing. Yeah. You know, and passing on my stuff to you. And then it's a cost to me and my family and my income. Um, you, you've got to... You, you've got to go after it and, and, and continue to fish, and is a fear factor. Yeah. You know, why, why would I do it for less money? So to some degree, you're saying, like, the cost of payroll. Like, I've got yeah. to add this person, yep. and somehow that's got to be paid for. And again, we could get into different types of models. We don't have to do that here um, today. But that you're right. That's absolutely one of the fears. Um, it, any other ideas of some fears that would prevent a loan officer from going this route? Just not not understanding how to go about making that first hire. Yeah, well, making mean, the first like I don't know. I've never are, hired anybody. How, how am I going to manage hire. that person? Yeah, how what, am I gonna what does it person? look like for me? Yeah, I think one of the other things I see is like, hey, uh, nobody does it better than me, right? And so, whatever the minutia is that happens after you've done a pre-approval to get it from pre-approval to the closing table. I think that's one of the places that loan officers spend a lot of unnecessary time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get past that mindset of, hey, no one can do this better than me. When I think the reality is they don't have to do it 100% as good as you. If they could even do it 80% as good as you, that's probably good enough. Yeah. Well, one thing that you you bring up a lot when you're looking or evaluating who that hire should be None of us do everything great. No. Right? We have to look in the mirror and, and, and take some notes specifically is what do I absolutely hate doing? Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's making those weekly calls or doing the marketing material or, you know, spending time doing that. Whatever it is that I don't absolutely want to avoid, mm-hmm. I think that's the person, the yeah. missing person, as we call it, that you need yeah. to start identifying and yeah. find the person that loves to do that. Yep. And team up that way. Yeah. Hey, what do I not want to do? <laughs> and leverage that away. You know, or the other thing too, I mean, the, other, the other question of that, John, is what do I wish we were doing in our business right now that we're not doing because I don't have the time to get to it? Yeah. So it's not just, hey, I absolutely hate doing that, but I've always had this goal or I've always had this vision or desire that I wanted to be able to add this aspect to my business. And I never did because, I, well, I just physically can't Takes time. get, I yeah, physically can't get to time. it. I, and you brought up like handwritten notes earlier. Um, you know, listen, either way, I still think there's a huge value in handwritten notes. But somebody who's truly, truly Sam busy is never going to take the time to write handwritten notes. Right. Right. But you could get leverage to write handwritten notes for you. 100%. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, because the person receiving it doesn't know that it's not your handwriting. This is true. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> and in some cases, it doesn't, it, it's not going to look good if it's my handwriting. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, a handwritten note from me, you're going to be calling me going, hey, dude, thanks for the note. I could read Brian. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Um, 
so anyways, I think those are some of the things that the, I don't know what to pay them or I'm afraid to pay somebody payroll. I don't know how to hire. I've never done that before. Um, and anyways, whatever I'm going to have them do anyway, I could do better. So I'm just not even going, um, to bother with that. Yeah. I mean, to me, the fear goes back to, you know, not every, we, we don't in this business, when Brian talks about me closing eight units a month, let's just say that's my number. I don't just get to eight and stop and say, that's my capacity. And then the next month I do another eight, right? And that doesn't Mm -hmm. roll on that way. Typically what happens is I might do eight a few months in a row, but for whatever reason along the way, things happen. And now my fear is, what if I only do two or three? Yes. What does that look like for me? Yes. Like, you know, I mean, many of us, in in fact, I would say probably 80% of anybody in sales, but specifically real estate and mortgage, we all recognize what this looks like throughout the year. Yeah, right? it's the roller coaster. We don't trade along even the whole year, yeah. right? Pick a number and go. So it's very erratic. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's, um, you know, people entering our industry, it's, there's no guarantee pay. No. We're 100%, 100% commission, commission, just like a realtor. So if we're not hustling and bringing in new business, there's the fear. Yeah. And I think, you know, where for a loan officer, you talk about, okay, so the the next step to get that uncapped earning potential, what we're saying is you've got to start to leverage and make some hires. You've got to build mm-hmm. a team, build a business. And the reason for that is you really want to narrow your job, right? So when you're a single LO, you're everything. You're marketing, you're sales, you're relationship building, you're follow-up. N- name all of the stuff. You're all of it. Okay, when you start to get some pieces of leverage, you're giving away parts of your role to other people. And ideally, you're giving them to parts of people who are better that like, I know for me, like, I'm not a detail oriented person. Okay, so ditto. Yeah, so like, it will absolutely cripple me. And the analogy I give from time to time is, I can balance a checkbook. Okay, I know most people don't do that anymore. (laughs) I still do. Okay. Um, but uh, I can balance a checkbook, but it's not like it's not going to be a hundred percent accurate. It's probably going to take me a while to do it. But I could give that to somebody else who is going to balance it to the penny in half the time as me, right? Um, because that's what they're good at. They're good at the details. Like I'm not good at the details. So if I can leverage that off, because again, let's use the analogy. If it took me, and it doesn't really do this, but if it took me two hours to balance my checkbook, but it took somebody else 30 minutes, and I leverage that to them, I got two more hours into my life, what could I do with them? Now, if I use those two hours on the things that I'm really good at, I'm probably going to get a couple more loans. Bringing in more business. Right, and that's really what it comes. Or the other side of that coin is I'm going to use that two hours to, you know, balance my work-life balance, you know? Yep. Um, I I talk about leverage. I've talked about this before, too. Like, a couple of years ago, I made the decision um, that I wasn't going to mow my lawn anymore. Okay, now, here's the crazy thing is I actually enjoy mowing the lawn, right? I know you still mow yours. I know you love love doing it, right? Sometimes you mow it more than once a week. I don't really get that, but that's you. (laughs) So, um, you know, I used to really enjoy mowing my lawn. But what I uncovered is in my role, you know, I, I work late hours, sometimes I travel. Um, so the time that I was doing the lawn was on typically Saturday mornings. Well, with young kids, what was happening was I was getting up 
I was mowing the lawn and I, I live on a, a corner lot, so it's a little bit larger. It was taking me 90 minutes, maybe longer to mow the lawn. Well, what happened was my lawnmower broke and I had to go take it in to get fixed. That's the end of that. Right. And so I had somebody in a networking group that I was in at the time say, dude, I'll come mow your lawn for the two I've weeks. done that, by the way, two or three times. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes and mows my lawn and I don't remember what he charged me, but I remember thinking to myself, this is a good deal. And now I get my Saturday back. Right. So I'm looking at having my lawn mowed by somebody else as leverage. You know, I think it cost me like $110 a month to get my lawn mode. Yep. But how many hours a month am I getting back to be able to do whatever yeah, it is analogy. I want? So yeah. like, you know, you can't look at leverage just as, you know, some people might go, well, dude, that's kind of vain. You can't mow your own lawn. Why would you spend that money on something like that? There's so many other things you could spend your money on. Well, for me, spending that money gave me something that I desired, which was time with my kids mm -hmm. on a Saturday morning. So... I know that was a really long explanation or analogy to basically say, if you took that over to your professional Stop life. Stop mowing your lawn. <laughs> yeah. If you took that over to your professional life, what leverage could you get that could give you that time or that money? You know, and then the example I gave, it was something I actually enjoyed doing. Like, dude, you ever like sit back after you've mowed your lawn and you're like, dude, you could put a level on the grass. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah, the great feeling that I don't miss is on Friday when I'm having people over on Saturday and my lawn guy doesn't show up. Okay, that's fair. So the last time that I went through my cycle of having a lawn guy and not was a Friday. So I went and mowed the grass Saturday morning. He comes the following Friday and says the grass doesn't need to be mowed. And my wife says he pulls away. So then I have to cut it again on Saturday. So this went on for about two or three weeks. And I'm like, does this guy just not think my grass is growing? <laughs> I mean, clearly somebody's mowing the grass in between. Okay. You you are giving us reasons not to get laid. You're, you're failing on your, on your duties here. <laughs> I know. Can't go back. I like to do it. I mean, right, listen, I and if you do it, 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 listen, I'm not saying that my way is the right way. I'm just giving an analogy of... That's what leverage gets you, right? And yep. so think of it in the simplest terms of that. Um, you know, but I think, you know, when you're trying to decide, is it time for me to hire people? You know, when you feel, and by the way, you should do it before you reach the capacity. So like John, we keep talking about John's capacity being eight. He really should make that hire around six, yeah. right? Because you, you never work harder than when you just bring on a new hire, because you're doing all of the stuff that you were doing before, plus now you're teaching somebody, mm -hmm. right? You're you're training you're training and developing somebody. So you you I actually find that when you make a hire, especially the first hire, you end up for probably two months, maybe a little bit longer, you end up working harder than you ever have before because you're trying to get them to a point where, hey, I know they got this. I don't have to worry about this right. anymore, right? Um and then there's just multiple of the things. I think you've got to look at, hey, what do I not like to do? Or first, I would say, let's look at what am I really good at? Most loan officers, they're really good at developing relationships and pre-approving buyers. If you could focus on only doing those two things, how, how much, much business, business could, could you, you truly do? Right? Yeah. And so, hey, if I'm only going to focus on that, my job is narrow, narrow, you know, um, 
then what the other things to ask are, what do I no longer, I hate doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. And hey, what could I leverage off that somebody or what is missing in my business that we're not doing right now because we don't, you know, have have the people? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, we have we have teams where they, you know, we have, you know, 10, 12 people on a team. And, you know, it's broken down to, you know, each person has a role and a task, what they're going to do each week and every day. And uh, it's managed that way. You have, you know, you have an office manager, and if you're the rainmaker and going out, you're just going out and, and bringing in more business. Yeah, yeah, and doing the things that you love while doing it. Right. I think the other thing I've noticed from folks who have taken the step, when you make the first hire, a lot of times their job is very broad. Okay, so I'm going to give a specific example. What if you're a loan originator and you're going to hire – and the terms are really interchangeable. We're going to call it a transaction coordinator, but a lot of people might call it like a loan originator assistant or a junior LO, whatever it is, right? At first, their job is very broad. They're like doing some marketing, maybe doing mm-hmm. the handwritten notes. They're doing follow-ups with bar. Like the list of things that they're doing is really, really long. But after you make that first hire and you get you get going and that first hire frees you up to do the things you're good at, now more business is coming in. So let's say now that John, instead of being capped at eight, John got it up to 12 or 14, mm-hmm. okay? Well, again, being true to, hey, let's make the next hire before we're at capacity, John brings somebody else on. It doesn't, that third person right now is irrelevant, like what their role is. But when they come on, they're taking on some of the duties of the first hire you made. Right. Right. And so now your first hire who originally there, hopefully what they don't like to do. Yeah. <laughs> your first hire originally when their role was this broad, now maybe got a little bit more like this. Mm-hmm. Right. And each subsequent hire that you make from there, everybody's role gets more narrow to where now you're a team of specialists. You know, hey, the next step in this process is for you to talk to Mikey. Mikey does this and it's all Mikey does. So Mikey is an absolute expert at it. Mr. and Mrs. Barrow, he's going to take fantastic care of you. Yeah. Right. And and that's kind of where I know we're given like some broad strokes, but that's kind of where it grows from there. Right. I mean, we haven't talked about bringing on like a, a team LO or bringing on another salesperson. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into that and talk yeah. about like when it's time to, to think about that and really how to. Yeah, so I think one of the mistakes that loan originators make is that's the first hire that they want to make. I I don't think that's the first hire to make. I, I think the first hire you make is someone who's going to help you out from an operational the, the back end, the or an administrative yeah. perspective. Yeah. Maybe the next hire you make is that loan officer or loan officer assistant, junior, LO, whatever you want to call right. them. And their role probably isn't necessarily going out and building relationships or driving sales it's helping you with the overflow of leads or referrals, you know, mm-hmm. that you're getting. And I, I, here's one of the things I, and I'm really proud of what our industry is doing right now, but I think we're starting to recognize that the average age of a loan originator in this country is, is like mid fifties. Right. And we don't have, that's average. That means there's some that are considerably older than that. Right. Yeah. Um, but what we don't have is a lot of young talent that's coming in that's going to fill the gap when the, us older guys and gals start to retire. And so I think one of the things our industry is doing really good right now is we're bringing in 
that rookie and they get an opportunity to get mentored with somebody right. who's going to teach them how to do like what there's nothing harder when you're newly licensed than I got to learn how to do a loan and I got to learn where to go get them at the same time. Right. So if you didn't have to worry about where to go get them and you could just partner up with somebody who's already got them, who's yep. teaching you how to do them, that's a win for the new LO and the season LO. Right. Because the season LO is able to say, hey, here's six referrals I couldn't get to this week. You get to them. And I'm going to keep my eye on what you're doing and help you through the process. We're going to make sure that we provide the same level of service to everybody that we always have. But you got that piece of leverage. And as the new LO, you are getting an opportunity to learn from somebody who's probably a rock star in the business that's going to help you set up a long-term you know, career for yourself. Yeah. And I think you're right. You said at the beginning of this podcast that for whatever reason in our business, the whole team building aspect on the mortgage side isn't as prevalent as to what we see in real estate. 100%. You know? Yeah. But I think we're starting to get better at that. I think we're starting to improve um, along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, the, the hard thing is in our business, it takes, you know, when I start, doesn't matter when you start, it takes a year, two, um, like real estate, to really hit your stride. Mm -hmm. I mean, to get to that point, you're not going to become a rock star in the first three to six months. A lot of people have, you know, eyes wide open, get into this and think it's going to be, you know, a bed of roses or easy. I mean, you've, mm -hmm. you've got to have a, a huge fear mm -hmm. and a referral source and be able to go out. And by the time you go out and get the deals, you might be looking at, you know, three, four, five months before you're going to get those across the finish line. Yep. You know, and then there still takes, you know, takes a couple of years before you start hitting yeah. Steady, steady. Yeah. And I think the other thing we haven't talked about that benefits the team growth is the consistency, right? So you talked earlier about the whole up and down the roller coaster. It's not mm -hmm. eight every month. It's like eight, eight, four, eight, twelve, four, you know, something along those lines is what we typically see. But when you get that team growth, you start to see more consistent performance. Um, because you're doing what you like to do. And if you're if yeah. you're good, let's say your first month in the business, right? I'll, I'll give uh, Mike Codier a little shout out here back in Boston. The guy could make it rain. The guy was great, didn't know how to put a loan together. Mm -hmm. So he went out the first three or four weeks. We started together with GMAC Mortgage, right? I'm trying to figure out how do you do a loan? What does the credit <laughs> report look like? He just made, made loans come in, okay? Well, then he gets stuck and was stuck inside for the next 30 days trying to figure out if he had a loan. Yes. And most of me didn't have loans. Yeah. He disappeared. But that's that roller coaster yeah. that we get into where you're stuck trying to figure out because you knew how to put the deal together, how to structure it. Mm -hmm. And you don't see your referral partners or the, you know, you're not going fishing to yeah. find more business. So you hit that the next month. You're in a lull once everything closes out. Yeah. 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 Anything, John, we should have covered? No, I think I, we covered quite a bit. Yeah. All right, so I know John and I really talked about, you know, this whole cap thing from a broad strokes perspective. And I got to say that if there's anything that we can do to further the conversation, add more clarity, help you with, hey, what's my first hire look like? What should my business plan look like? What should my business model look like? Hey, we're, we're here to help you. This is what we do all the time, all day, every single day. So uh, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Context of Contracts podcast. On behalf of John... I was going to say, thanks for your time. If there's anything that we can do, please know, always here to serve. <laughs>